It's Thursday, April 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Thursday. Thank you. It's a short week for the market, so this is the last day of trading. The market is closed tomorrow. Do not tune in tomorrow. Well, we never have an episode on Fridays, or I think once we had a special episode. Has there ever been like a clamor? For an episode on Fridays, I mean the the dozens of listeners. I don't I don't know that not one yet has asked. Can we please have an, a podcast on Friday? I don't think so because we we do we tape uh, Motley Fool Money. We tape our radio show on Friday, so there's that. And as I pointed out recently, Industry Focus, which is the true daily podcast at the Motley Fool, they go five days a week. So there is that. But I don't know if they're going if they're going tomorrow. Um, we have closed the books on the first quarter of 2015. And we're going to talk about what, if anything, to expect in Q2. But I would be remiss if I did not say a, just a couple of words about yesterday's episode of Market Foolery. And rather than share my words, let me just share some of the words. Because as you might imagine, uh, we, we got some email, we got some comments on Twitter. Um, let me read two email. Uh, and I'm not going to give this person's name. I'm a regular listener of Market Foolery and Motley Fool Money and was shocked and appalled to hear that you are backing Kitty Card to offer a children's credit card. As an organization that provides financial and investment advice, you should not be recommending that anyone without an income, such as children, take on debt. As far as I can tell, the only benefit of the Kitty Card is low interest rates for extremely young borrowers. These individuals will surely not have incomes and should not be accruing any debt. Children should learn financial literacy, not start out life in debt. Secondly, your show's guests' suggestion that if interest payments get out of hand, a family should simply, quote, have another kid to get a lower interest rate is shockingly short-sighted, horrible advice. I cannot continue to support an organization that is so clearly putting their own interest in making a quick buck ahead of their stated mission to help the world invest better. Good luck recovering your brand equity <laughs> from this obvious mistake. So that encapsulates one type. That's one viewpoint. That's one viewpoint. And, 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 and that was not the only email or comment on Twitter that we got along those lines. Here, however, uh, from Philip Green. Listener number 42, Philip writes, I had completely forgotten what today was as I was listening to the podcast on my way from work to night class. The prank that you pulled today was utterly brilliant. I was completely convinced for an embarrassingly long time that a credit card for infants and kids was a real thing you were supporting. And as the show progressed, I became more and more disgruntled. It was not until the mention of having another kid and transferring balances to the new card that I realized I'd been had. Upon this discovery, I burst out laughing in my car. Thanks for the great investing advice, wonderful commentary, and excellent sense of humor. Uh, thank you, Philip, for those for those kind words. Yes, um, and thank you, unnamed listener, <laughs> for the harsh words. Well, because you you love that's what you love more than anything. Is is getting a few harsh words uh, on April second, um, because that that shows you've done something right. Well, and it and it shows a passion. Not just on you, the, but you know, <laughs> other other many others in this company that work to make uh, April second a, a fun day following the first. It shows a passion on the part of of people who are particularly longtime listeners, and uh, you know, I mean, and you know this. You and I are are. Parents of of three kids, and on any given day, 
I, I forget about the date. I'm not even entirely sure what day of the week it is, much less the date. So it's totally understandable that not everyone would realize that yesterday was April Fool's Day. Um, and so it does show great passion on the part of people that are saying, wait a minute, this is such an such a 180 from everything I've come to expect from you people. Um, very long-time listeners and long-time fools um, were aware of this. There were a couple of comments on Twitter yesterday of, of uh, early in the day. Even before this episode of Market Foolery went up, there were a couple of people on Twitter saying, I can't wait for this episode. I look forward to this episode every year. Um, and if you're a long-time fool, then the name Larry McCloskey, who was our guest yesterday, is one that has it doesn't come up every year, but I would say every few years, the name Larry McCloskey rears its head on April 1st. It's right? always a good year when Larry's uh, available. Yes, Larry Larry is a wonderful straw man. And can, I, can I just say, just interrupting and change the subject mildly, yeah. that I'm, I'm here multitasking, looking at my computer, at, at uh, you know stock things that, uh-huh. that I might comment about, but I'm also looking at my email, and I've got one from you uh, 11 minutes ago chastising me. I'm not even going to say what, what you wrote. And I showed up at the right time. You forgot what time we were taping. See, and that goes to my point earlier, that I, I forget things on a daily <laughs> basis. So, a perfect example is me chastising you for being late when, in fact, you were exactly on well, this time. This is language that we can't use in a G-rated show. Is yeah, this G-rated or PG? Um, it's designated um, well, uh, on iTunes, you need to designate something as explicit if you use explicit language. So let's mm-hmm. we'll just we'll just move along. This language would go; P- <laughs> it would be PG. I think that's it's not yeah. G. Yeah, it's no, no, PG. No. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you to uh, to our longtime listeners, and thank you uh, truly for, for for all the email. Um, and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we got a couple more email trickling in because I know from talking to uh, people at our recent Fool Fest, there are listeners who save up all their episodes of Market Foolery and listen to them on the weekend. So we'll be interesting to see if the email trickles in. Let's let's talk about the market in general, though. As I said, Q1 is done. The three major indices up to varying degrees in the positive column, anywhere from a little over one percent to a little less than five percent with the Nasdaq. Um, I'm curious what you're watching in the second quarter of this year, because I was saying to you earlier, I feel like things are about to get tougher for individual investors in this regard. I think that the the noise that is distracting to investors is going to get louder over the next few months. And I think there are a variety of reasons for that. I think one of them is we are just a few weeks away from the beginning of May, and there are absolutely going to be those prognosticators going on television and on the radio and and in print saying the you know sharing the old saw sell in May and go away. There are people who are going to be pounding the table saying this is the year to do it because we're absolutely due for a drop. Um, then there are just sort of the historical averages of a ten percent or more drop. Um, and I just feel like it's going to be a little bit tougher for individual investors, just from the standpoint of the noise. I think the noise, if if the financial noise, media noise, 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 yes, is, quote the Grinch. Yeah, exactly. If noise were a stock, I would buy it. I would probably sell it in a few months, but I would absolutely buy it because I think the noise is about to go up. But you're you're watching the market more closely than I am. What are you watching over the next few months? Uh. So everybody basically in in this company is is trained to 
and, and participates in the, the view of the market more as a, from an individual stock basis. You talk mostly about individual stocks, company movements, and we focus on, you know, what does this mean for this company rather than market-wide predictions, which is what a large chunk of the financial media does. Um, not to, you know, name names of any financial network that makes market predictions or has people on to, you know, make a call on the market several times an hour. Um <laughs> But <laughs> so so not I mean the the honestly just like not much now I I do look at at valuations in the aggregate and the fact that earnings did not uh, increase uh, in the market uh, last last quarter and are not expected to this quarter gives a sufficient reason for people to think uh, you know if if earnings are not increasing why are valuations at the point where they are are they are they not too high uh, compared to the average P/E ratio? They are higher than average, and if there's no earnings momentum uh, growing, earnings per share across the market, then that that is going to take some of the uh, force that, that drives stock prices higher away. And people are some people are going to have to look for new reasons. Um, interest rates are not going to provide those reasons, um, as as they are likely to be increased possibly in the next quarter. So I agree that there are a lot of things that are individual things that can be. There are good reasons why uh, earnings are not increasing this year. It's got a lot to do with exchange rates and and the amount. Uh, this is the the flip side of the good news that American uh, domiciled companies do a lot of business abroad and have increased their business by uh, being more uh, effective and present uh, everywhere around the world but uh, when exchange rates turn around that that takes the some of the value out of them um, I don't know the economy is the economy is doing okay I, I'm not too worried about it I, I think that at any point whether it's noise or not or you know in a, a carefully thought out valuation could the market be 10 15 percent lower than it is today sure why not it will be at some point. You know, maybe this quarter, maybe not. We don't. We're not very good in this company at calling the market. One thing that I am contemplating as an investor for the first time is, so when we talk about the why would you sell a stock, and I always go back to David Gardner's line: sell a stock when you have a better place for your money. That can be another stock. That can be. Something you're saving up to buy, or it can be a kid's education, a vacation, whatever. For the first time as an investor, I'm actually contemplating selling a stock simply for the purposes of having cash, sort of increasing my cash so that when this correction, whenever it comes, when it does come, I'm prepared to take advantage of it. Because in the past, anytime I've sold a stock, it's always been with the attention I'm going to sell shares of company A and I'm going to buy shares of company B, and I've I've worked the math out. And uh, but this is really the first time that because I, I, I and I, I I really do hope I'm wrong. I'm never rooting for stupidity. I'm never rooting for noise. But it really does feel like the possibility. Of a lot of stupid noise coming in the next few months is greater than it has been in a while. So I'm working on a piece right now uh, for publication at some point, a little written thing, um, which is going to be 
playing off the the trope of the perfect storm, which is something that is always trotted out, and um, that that really now we've just either are in the middle or now at the end of the perfect calm. That there has been almost nothing that has that has been stormy uh, in the market for uh, a significant period of time now, and has led to all time high profit margins for companies. Uh, un, sort of not totally unprecedented in the sense that they're beyond any level that they've been at before, but they are even higher than they were 2006, 2007 before uh, the, the recession. Uh, and, and this is a product of you know, a confluence of a number of things which have been very calm, in, including interest rates at or near 0%, something which apparently can't last forever, although it has lasted for an awfully long period of time, longer than anybody could have thought. So I think that the the sort of what you're referring to as as noise, and what I will refer to as you know uh, evidence of, if not a storm, you know some rain in in the uh, forecast, rather than just phenomenally sunny days uh, for everything but pretty much the wages of of workers, which have not improved over the period of time that the market has has improved so much over the last five years. But those increasing wages, there is a fair amount of uh, pressure on wages right now is, is going to, um, you know, nothing comes for free. So if, if people are getting paid more at their jobs as they are beginning to, there are a lot of headlines, Walmart, McDonald's, Target, people raising um, their wages uh, to $10 over the next uh, two years. That is going to come at the cost of, of some of the profits to the companies. And, you know, there there's no free lunch. So if wages are improving, that doesn't um, mean that, the, you know, the, that um, the profits are improving as much as they would. The perfect calm is a really interesting thing to think about. And one of the things I was thinking was you just reminded me of events that have transpired over the last year or so that when you turn on financial television, there's there's almost, uh, I don't want to say an eagerness because that's overstating it, but there's a sense on the part of, well, th- this thing that's going on in Greece, this could, this really could have ripple effects here. And it's it's not that they're rooting for the market to tank, but it sure would be interesting if it did. And the, the only comparison I can make is the Weather Channel and Jim Cantore, who's, I think, sort of the, anytime there's a big storm anywhere headed to, particularly when it's hurricane season, if there's a, a, a hurricane working its way up the, the East Coast, Jim Cantore is is the guy that the Weather Channel sends to be out on the beach. Basically, if you see Jim Cantore in your town, you need to pack up and leave because it's because he is fully expecting a huge storm to hit. And it happened in D.C., not this most recent winter, but last winter, when we were supposed to get some big snowstorm. Cantore was broadcasting live from downtown Washington, D.C., and the storm missed the area and he could not have been more disappointed. And he used the word underperforming to describe the storm. And so this is a guy who's literally rooting for bad weather because it's much more interesting for him and his job. I think there's a little bit of that that goes on. And you just reminded me of, of sort of the, I don't want to say near misses because they really haven't been near misses. In terms of the US market, you're right. It's been a very steady, Calm for a very long time. Yeah. Well, in terms of financial media, they're looking for uh, if they're solely pretend for a second that all they care about is their ratings, then very volatile markets is, is what they 
would be hoping for. And, and being on the lookout for those things is certainly part of the job. Um, they are, for a very variety of reasons, hoping that the markets go higher because if if things are, go low enough or things get bad bad enough uh, for long enough, people decide, I just don't want to look at my investments. It's The best thing for my mental health is to just not check up every day and, and just move on to all the rest of life and not think about my money every day. And so, so that's not good for them. But, um, you know, when things move violently quickly, that, that's a big ratings boost. You remember Speak Wilson? Sure. Speak Wilson, a uh, longtime head of advertising here at The Motley Fool, because I realize we've been talking about financial television media, and I, I should include online media in, in, uh, in the same boat here, because I remember, gosh, this must have been like 1998, um, Speak was our head of, of online advertising, and I remember him talking about what drives internet traffic to sites like marketwatch.com, Yahoo Finance, and yes, The Motley Fool. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but he speak basically said, you know, as an investor and as someone in charge of, you know, advertising at our site and, and interested in having a lot of people click over here, here's what I'd love to happen every single month. The market drops 5% in one day. And then over the rest of the month, it steadily ticks up 6%. So the market is increasing over time, but there are these sudden one-day drops of 5% because it, 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 you know, it's not just eyeballs to television sets. It's also online. Yeah. And everybody's looking at this is, is uh, got not just uh, you know, ads to sell, but there's a very real service uh, in reminding people that markets do drop. They don't just go up all the time, and uh, that time will come again. And uh, hopefully everybody out there is aware that if they're invested in the market for the long term, they're going to experience drops of ten, far more than 10%, um, and that's never going to change. Is there any company or industry you are particularly curious about? I know we're not about to kick off a brand new earnings season for a couple of weeks here, but and I said this recently, I, I, I just look at the winter weather that a big chunk of the United States has just gone through, and I can't help but think that whatever expectations companies like Home Depot and Lowe's are setting for their next quarterly earnings, and whatever expectations companies like in the auto parts business, AutoZone, etc., Advanced Auto Parts, and the like, whatever they're setting, I feel like they... <laughs> The environment is ripe for a really good quarter from those types of businesses. Yeah, although remember those businesses had a really good quarter last year as well. Uh, here in the so Northeast. tough comps, you're saying? Uh, for them, I mean, in general, the weather was a a an element of the, the quarter we just got through. It was a bigger element 12 months ago. Um, so. You know, there's weather every year, and, and the companies that point out accurately when weather is helping their business are the ones that you know. If they're not taking credit where credit is not due, uh, I'd, I'd trust them more. The companies that say this this was a great quarter for us, and let's just say that some of that had to do with weather, and you know, next time it may not. All right. Before we wrap up, uh, I've had guests on recently who have done some traveling, and I asked them for a travel tip for New York City, for Austin, Texas, that sort of thing. I have to share, I have to pass along a couple of tips that I got from you, 
because mm-hmm. I just made a short trip. I spent a couple of days in Philadelphia pilgrimage, with my son. Really, a little bit of a pilgrimage, and I have to say the the advice you gave me could not have been better. And you know how it pains me to give you any kind of praise, particularly in this setting. But sure, uh, like, do you know of any unhealthy food that tastes good? <laughs> you know that. So two things for anyone who's going to Philadelphia. Um, one is cheesesteaks, because you got to have a cheesesteak. If you've never been to Philadelphia, you got to have a cheesesteak there. And yep. you, you pointed me. Uh, there, are fa- there are very famous places in Philadelphia for cheesesteak. You pointed me to one that was uh, close to my hotel. It was also very fantastic, a place called Jim's, Jim's Southside. And uh, my son, who's not the most adventurous eater in the world, was a little skeptical, and I said, "Yeah, I, I convinced him and loved it, and it could not have been better." So, Jim Southside, Jim South Street, South Street, South Street, and the Franklin Institute as a museum is just phenomenal. And we are slightly spoiled living in the Washington D.C. area because so many of the museums Massively here spoiled. Yeah. Are, are free, and so when you travel to Washington D.C take advantage of all of the Smithsonian museums because they're all free. And if you have children and you go into a free museum and 30 minutes later your kid wants to leave, it's fine. You know why? Because it's free. But if you're going to a museum in New York City or somewhere else and you've just paid 20 bucks just to walk in the door, you really got to think through how much time are we going to spend in this museum. The Franklin Institute in Philadelphia such a phenomenal museum, not just for kids, but for adults, too. I mean, I was I was telling our colleague Roger Friedman, my son and I had a blast. We spent, uh, I would say, four or five hours there. I could have spent the time there by myself. There are enough things just for adults, uh, and a lot of science exhibits, um, uh, a lot of things around uh, animals, around did, artwork. Did you go through the heart? Went through the heart, yes. Yeah. They have a giant, it's like a two-story replica of the human heart. Yeah. That you can go through and you you follow the path that blood goes through. And it's great if you're, it's it's better if you're a kid because if you're an adult, it gets a little, it gets a little cozy in there. It's a little cozy. It's It's been around for a long time. It was, you know, 40 years ago, it was one of the big things there. They've, they've updated uh, a lot. So it, it's not... It's a little bit of an anachronism in, in a lot of ways, but it's one of the uh, uh, premier uh, makeout places in Philadelphia. Wait, what? Yeah. Did you see all like the, the initials carved in, in the, the sides of the walls? And No, I didn't notice this. Wait a minute. I mean, hopefully you weren't there for that purpose. I was not there, there for that with purpose. With your no. son. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, a legendary, you know, sort of was, something you need to do as a Philadelphian, you know, if you're of that that age. I was teenager. I was that. near this exhibit for. I'm it was a little s- crowded when you were there. I mean, obviously, yeah. you got to pick your your spot. So is that the move if you're looking to make out inside a giant replica? Yeah, you of might want to like the last five ten minutes of, that the museum's open. I mean, you don't want to do it on a busy Saturday afternoon, right? When then when there are like kids, because that's probably not great. You know, for anybody, right? That yeah, nobody wins in that scenario. When there's like a school tour, a bunch of of, of third graders trucking their not way. Not very to, romantic. Not very <laughs> romantic either. Yeah, yeah. I guess you really got to do plan that. Yeah. So, 
So not just travel advice, but also a little bit of romance well, advice. Everybody out there looking to <laughs> spice up their weekend, get go to the Franklin Institute, go through the heart, and uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's got that so romantic heart imagery too. It does, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further because not everybody is uh, listening to this is near Philadelphia. In fact, I would guess that most people listening are nowhere near Philadelphia. But that's unfortunate. But they are probably near a museum of some sort. So that's that's our tip for the month of April. Just find any museum, have a little romantic moment with uh, sure. s- someone you're close to, or someone you're hoping to get a little closer to. Who could argue with that? <laughs> Certainly not our man Austin Morgan, who's behind the glass. Uh, to read more from Bill Mann, that, it, it, that thing you could that, read from Bill Mann. Oh, sure. sorry, Bill Barker. I get you guys confused. Is it is it for declaration? He's gigantic. Though. He is. He is our gigantic colleague. Um, the the perfect calm piece that you're writing is that for declarations, or are you writing it for, for like a white paper? But we may spin it off. It may have uh, you know the presence on on the site. It'll it'll be on the site eventually. Foolfunds.com. You can sign up for Declarations, the free monthly newsletter from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Have a great long weekend. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. Remember, the market is closed on Friday. We'll see you on Monday.